Today's episode's really an accident. Joyce and I were talking about uh, Phillips and Rangeley, Maine, and all the wonderful times that she's had at her vacation home there. And I said, well, gosh, you know, I actually stayed at the Rangeley Inn for about three months. And so uh, we stumbled on a story about accelerated learning and about something that happened 45 years ago that when I look back as a 22-year-old, it was probably the most profound learning, enduring uh, experience of my career. So this is a tribute to true Mainers. It's a tribute to those gritty retailers that make things happen. Uh, it's a story about the heart of Hannaford and, and what they stood for then and they stand for today. Uh, and it's also a story for us HROD practitioners about what are the circumstances, what's the environment where real deep and sustaining change and learning occurs. So enjoy the story. And uh, yeah, so come on in, grab a snack, because it's kind of like going to a movie. Welcome. Hello, Bob. Hey, Joyce. <laughs> I'm kind of, I'm pushing on you to continue a story you started to tell me before we began. Um, and I'm not sure why, <laughs> except that it's, <laughs> well, except that it's, interesting and what I was thinking of is the things you have to do when you're new in a job to prove yourself sort of and that in the environments we worked in we weren't trained and then go do the job we were just given a task like go fix the warehouse okay yeah yeah, yeah. so you were telling about uh, and I love this story it came up because I have a little house in Rangeley Maine and I haven't been there since my husband died and I'm going to have to go up and it'll be both full of wonderful memories and lots of little pain shoots. Um, and then Bob remembered an experience he had near Rangeley. So take it away, Bobby. Well, yeah, thanks, Joyce. Uh, I think, first of all, for those of you that don't know where Rangeley, uh, Maine is, <laughs> with, with all due respect, it is like the end of the world. Right, Joyce? No, it's halfway to the end of the world. At <laughs> any rate, um, I was a fresh college graduate out of Philadelphia. That's all I knew. And about six months into my uh, training to be a supermarket store manager, uh, the uh, VP of operations called me in and said, I have a project for you. It's going to take about six weeks, four to six weeks. <laughs> and he said, it's it's in Rangeley, Maine. So I didn't know where Rangeley was. I wasn't thinking one way or the other. He said, we have a wholesale customer. Your job in the next four to six weeks is to help them to become profitable. <laughs> <laughs> wet, be wet behind the ears, barely skimming the surface of my knowledge of the grocery industry. And it was far and away one of the best experiences learning-wise of my life. Um, because... Um, you know, think about being two brothers. Uh, one was kind of the butcher and the other guy was kind of the front of the store. Imagine being told you've got this 22-year-old kid coming up to tell you how to run your business. And, and Maynard don't uh, accept new that easily. And yeah, they don't that's right. much. <laughs> I no, mean, no. real, real deep, rangely manners. You know, you got to uh, win them over. 
And how, how did you do it? Well, I'll, I'll give you the interesting backdrop because you're right. Uh, Rangeley's only halfway to the end of the world. But you know what is the end of the world from January to March? The Rangeley Inn. Uh, folks, it's this huge, uh, very elegant hotel. Uh, I don't oh, know, Joyce. Oh, oh, oh. 50, 50, 60 rooms, 150, 200 years old. Um, you know, uh, uh, and I was the only person staying there. For Sounds like heaven to me. <laughs> d d during the week, oh, in 50 rooms, uh, yeah. I felt like uh, uh, <laughs> I, I felt like I was in a Jack Nicholas film, and I'll leave that to others' imagination. Yes, so, so I'm totally a fish out of water. I'm in an uncomfortable situation. And I just leaned into one building a rapport and trust with Arthur and George Edmonds. Okay. Um, and having them be willing to, to have me take over some of the responsibilities that they both collectively and individually did. You didn't mean opening, over. They had to open their books to you, right? Totally open the books. Well, I mean, I don't I mean, even want to show you my checking account. In, in the morning, uh, I took the money out of the cash register drawers and worked with the bookkeeper saying, we're going to pay back Hannaford X and we'll keep the rest. Do we have milk coming in? Um, you know, and what I did was I took a walk with, around the store with uh, George. And I said, George, just point to the sections that, are, that aren't getting a lot of sales. And what was interesting, it was all kinds of general merchandise, which would be everything from uh, watches to galoshes to lighters, the lighter fluid. And so over the what ended up being two months that I was there, we totally transformed uh, the inside of the store. And, and we made it what it really was. It was really a convenience store, a large convenience store in a food desert. And so we kept the, the important elements of what people need for their weekly groceries. But we got rid of the, like, uh, the, the chainsaw oil. <laughs> I mean, I remember very distinctly the 12-foot the back-to-school section in an area where all the kids get their school supplies. So it was a combination of taking out things that were no longer or never were uh, producing any kind of income and then replacing it, expanding it with, with more what we call consumable items, right? Consumable items. Think uh, pizza. I have pizza every week. I have peanut butter three times a week. And, and so it took longer than the four to six weeks that Roger said, which he loved, uh, you know, ribbing me. He said, you're going to spend the whole summer up there? <laughs> <laughs> yes, at last. But what, what's interesting, uh, it didn't happen for the next 30 years. Every year at Christmas time. I'd get a phone call, you know, not on my cell, on my company phone. And it was George and Arthur Edmonds calling me up to thank me. Bob, I'm, I'm, I'm checking in to see how you're doing. And uh, we thought we'd let you know how we're doing. Oh, I love it. I love <laughs> and, it. And that probably went on for, you know, I'm going to say at least 10, 12 years. I actually went on longer than that because I got a call from him when I was down here in North Carolina. Wow. Um, so... Did you feel triumph in that? Or I did when you went because you didn't know a lot. What worked? Not knowing in a way, right? Well, I, I think the not knowing. Because um, then you have to ask, ask, ask. 
the getting comfortable with being totally uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Uh, everything from the weather, I didn't have the right clothes mm-hmm. to having people that saw me from away. So I think it's, um, it's not only recognizing your difference coming into that world, but then what you need to do to build and earn trust uh, in a way that, like I said, uh, so I think, I think there was that. Um, I think also taking radical steps, and I say radical, taking, uh, taking a no uh, more beach balls, stationary uh, school supplies and beach balls display and saying, we're going to call the vendor and we're going to have them pick, pick them up and write you a check, which we did. Uh, I mean, they would have never thought of doing that. And they would say, Bob, do you know how many bottles of chainsaw oil we sell? <laughs> I, I said, yeah, you sold a case Not and enough. a half in the last year. <laughs> That's right. Um, so, I, you know. You're naturally, uh, you're naturally respectful. I, I think. Well, that, I think. Yeah. You know, not that I wrote the book on it, but you know how they they talk about the first ninety days. It's a book written. I forget who wrote yeah. it. Uh, I think it's people. I think it's the dysfunctional teams uh, guy. Um, but if 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 I take a look at uh, going in there, um, I, I think just going in with being open and not knowing and realizing for me, this is where I get back to the first ninety days. The first few weeks, it was all about building relationships and trust. They say when you go into a new role, you're so focused on the task. Guess what? It should be 60, 70% building relationships and earning trust and 30% task. And so. And slowly, uh, that, and slowly that shifts. Well, you've slow, got to oh, yeah, oh, yeah. relationships don't go away. Yeah. But that's so, a fighting skill. Yeah. You know, if I went in there without even talking to them about, oh, by the way, we're going to take your stationery out. That wouldn't have happened, right? Right. Or or would have happened, and then three weeks after I'm gone, the stationery would be back. Um. <laughs> or you would have been wrong, and they would have lost a lot of sales on postcards. No doubt. No doubt. So to me, that was uh, a big part of it. And, uh, you know, the most important thing is it gave me confidence on so many different levels. Up to that point, I felt like I was a fraud. Uh-huh. Okay, yeah. uh, I never, I never led anything. Yeah, maybe projects, things in yeah. college and high school, but I wasn't what I would describe myself as a leader. I, I felt like a fraud as a retailer uh, because yeah. other than working in a gas station, uh, I'd never worked in a retail store. Um, so it gave, it helped build my confidence uh, to be able to take on. Uh, the challenges that that were before me. I mean, I mean, if I look at nine weeks of my tra- or nine months of my training, which that's what it was, that two months was probably the most valuable part of my training. I learned how to cut meat and other parts of my training. So, you know, I think for HROD people, that whole notion of giving people a challenge, don't worry about the fact if they are wet behind the ears. That's maybe even better. Um, and and. Uh, I think getting out of not to getting out of traditional learning environments and mixing it with immersions where you're going to last, learn fast and furious and make some mistakes is I actually good. I love um, not knowing. 
and having to go in and explore no matter what it is. I, I did that work in child abuse and neglect. Yeah. And um, like I learned that it was men who, who had been sexually abusive to children could also be very nice and loving. Yeah. Oof, that was a real hard one for That's me. Yeah, yeah, it was a real hard one for me. But the truth is their kids felt the same way. They just wanted it to stop. They didn't want to get rid of their dad. They loved their dad. I'd like, I'd like to pay tribute, and I'm, I'm not even sure his family would hear this. Uh, another lifelong lasting relationship that came out of that was uh, with Charles Whittier. Uh, yeah. And Charles passed away last year. His, um, his father was the chairman of the board, and he kind of came in under his wing. And Charles and I became lifelong friends, uh, and we couldn't be we couldn't be more different. And I, people look at me and say, "What? Why do you sit with Charles Whittier? <laughs> He's kind of an old relic." And, and Char Charles was my kind of boss because yeah. he was in charge of all the independents, and he he was just an incredible mentor. So I I, I don't want to give you the idea that I kind of went in and made it all happen myself. I had people like Charles uh, that you know, no doubt maybe paved the way for me having some street cred. Um, but the, the beauty of having a lifelong relationship where I got to know his wife, Tinker, he got to know Mary Ann, we went out on his huge Hinkley uh, sailboat. Um, you know, it, it's, it's, you know, you never know what you're gonna find is a you never know. But you I, never I do want to say the whole thing about look at the grit that that gave you to do work in food retail. And I find what, internally or externally, I've got to get grit before I can be bold. Yes. Because yeah. otherwise I'm doing crazy stuff. So um, yeah. waiting to and, gather what you need to so that you feel you're on solid footing. I don't know how else to put it. And every time I wasn't on solid footing, it messed up. Yeah. It really absolutely did. and i can name some big ones i'm just not ready to do it today <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I didn't get grounded enough that's the other thing about being present it, that we did last week it it grounds you so there yeah yeah well good so good I'm, for curiosity good for details good for a mentor good for getting grounded the grit matters and last week we were talking about being there Thank yeah. you so much because it got me fully present to not only that experience, but reflecting back. So thanks for that gift. Right. So like being present and being past. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Uh, okay. Right. Over and out. You know, today's episode uh, podcast would not be complete. Uh, without me reflecting back and looking at the true heroes that helped support me and uh, uh, ultimately accelerated my learning at a time when God knows I needed it. So to uh, our senior vice president, I'll just use his first name, Roger, uh, thanks for having the ingenuity to pick a young hired person right out of college to have enough confidence in me to jump out there and try to make something meaningful happen with one of our customers. Uh, I want to thank George and Arthur Edmonds. Uh, I was there to help them 
Uh, and in many respects, they helped me more than I ever could help them. And the fact that Edmonds Markets is still thriving up there in Phillips, Maine, uh, just warms my heart. And then finally, uh, to uh, what was then a good mentor and colleague, uh, Charles Whittier, uh, who became a lifelong friend because he took a young kid that he barely knew and uh, partnered with him to, to make meaningful change. So, uh, yeah, thank you to all of you for my growth and development some 45 years ago.